You're listening to DraftKings Network. I mean, the Lakers are going ham. Hey, you see a headline that says Darvin Ham is the new head coach of the Lakers. You know what I saw? Doc Rivers loses standoff with Daryl Morey. Yeah, because Doc Rivers had that little stalking horse there to have leverage that I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave, I'm going to take that Lakers job. And then the Lakers said, nuh-uh, we're going to go with Darvin Ham. And now what does Doc Rivers do? Because he's sitting there, he's got to coach Joel Embiid and James Harden, clean up that mess, or he's just got to quit, right? Or he's got to quit, which is what Daryl is counting on because he needs to hire his guy, no baloney. We miss you, Mike D'Antoni. But if I were Daryl, this is how I would play it. I would wait until every last job has dried up right before we're going away to camp. That's when I would fire Doc. Basically give Doc the option. Like, you can quit now, man, and then we'd be good. Or I'm going to wait until the last possible minute, and then you're going to have no jobs out there. You're just going to have to sit around and get paid to sit at home. So here's how Michael Jordan comes into play. Have you noticed the mean that the Charlotte Hornets do not have a head coach yet? Yeah, like what's that about? Weren't they one of the earliest openings? Yeah, and they got LaMelo Ball and they got this young team and you figured that they would have the inside track on who they wanted because they fired James Borrego like pretty quickly after they lost in that play-in game. But they've been waiting and waiting and waiting. Who are they waiting for? Well, Jake Fisher, the truth teller, we've cited many times on this show. He is reporting now on BR that Mike D'Antoni is considered the front runner for that job by the front office, by Michael Jordan. But Michael's out on a little bit of a hiatus, a little bit of a vacation internationally. He earned it. So then Mike D'Antoni is waiting for that call. But what if he's waiting for a different call? Not from Michael Jordan, but from Daryl Morey. You think Michael Jordan ever takes domestic vacations or is every vacation gonna be overseas for him? My assignment, uncover why the association inspires more conspiracy theories in volume and salience than any other U.S. sport. You've heard of the Illuminati. The truth is out there, but so are lies. Your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust them. The NBA has always been controlled by about eight people. Denial is the most predictable of all human responses. If you're only using 10% of your brain, you don't even know that you're using 10% of your brain. The NBA Illuminati. If coincidences are just coincidences, why do they feel so contrived? The Illuminati. But you start to follow the money. And you don't know where the f*** is going to take you. It is unspoken. They have influence among other players. The NBA Illuminati. I don't have time for your convenient ignorance. Maybe I'm a conspiracist now as well. That's all it took. Oh, we got books. We got schools. You saw a video on YouTube. <laughs> my, my eyes, sir. You've never used them before. We are the basketball Illuminati. <laughs> Welcome to Basketball Illuminati. I'm Tom Haberstroh, and I'm joined as always by my Illuminati generals, five-star generals, Amin El-Hassan, and producer Anthony Mays. What's going on, guys? Pointing into my stripes like my man Wayne Jenkins. We got lots of finals talk to get into, but we got to go back. We got to go back to that Miami Heat three-pointer that everyone's talking about. No, not the Jimmy Butler one there in transition at the end of the game. 
we're going to be talking about the conservation of points theory and the Max Struess call that never was the three-pointer that was waved off several minutes later. But first... Are listening to the agenda with Tom Haverstrow and Amin El Hassan. Oh, this is a big agenda. The NBA Finals are here. Oh boy. Amin, I can't help but notice. Isn't it convenient that the Golden State Warriors, the team that KD spurned, has made it to the finals? And look over there, who's coming from the east? Did you notice who's coming from the East? The Boston Celtics, who are the team that Isaiah Thomas got spurned by? No, I mean, it's the team that Kyrie spurned to go start up his super team with none other than the exiled Golden State Warrior Kevin Durant. So Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving link up in Brooklyn. And they don't make it out of the first round, but you know who does? The homegrown Boston Celtics and Golden State Warriors. Sounds to me that Kyrie and KD should play for the San Antonio Spurns. Think about it. The Boston Celtics, they draft Jason Tatum, trade down to get him at number three. They draft Jalen Brown. Uh They also draft Marcus Smart. Uh They bring back Al Horford. He's already got like the three-leaf clover tattooed on his body when he came out of the womb. Like he's a Celtic at heart. He might have been drafted by the Hawks, but really he's a Celtic from day one. Robert Williams, another draft pick. Grant Williams. Grant Williams, another draft pick. Couple Williams cutting it up. (laughs) And then on the Golden State side, the big three are back together. Draymond, Clay, Steph. Jordan Poole, another drafted sniper for them. And don't forget the man who got MVP chance, Kevon Looney. He's my MVP. I mean, don't laugh. Don't laugh at Kevon, all right? He's very important. Kevon Stage. Very important to this team. They also have other homegrown guys like the little local guy, Juan Toscano Anderson. Yes. Does Damian Lee count as a homegrown guy? He married into the family, I mean. It's okay. Yeah, it's part of the family. I mean, I guess you could say he's growing in the Curry home. Right? Oh, boy. At this stage. He's growing in the curry home? Let's not investigate that too thoroughly. Let's just move on. Yeah. Let's not do our research on that. But, Tom, you're absolutely right. you got two teams that are predominantly built from within, from the draft. And the people they acquired by a trade or free agency, while good supporting role players, are hardly consequential swing to the fences superstar type players. You talk about Horford. You talk about guys like Otto Porter and Andrew Wiggins. Or Derek White for the Celtics. None of these guys you'd write home about like, oh my God, these big markets cornering the market on these big time free agents or being able to swing for these big deals. No, in essence, we've got two teams that are poster children for the way you can do it if you can't get people to come sign with you. Wait, poster children? Are you talking about Bam Adebayo and that game? When he was posterized? I don't know anyone by that name. I know an address out of bio. Are you referring to him? Yes. Yes. My apologies. I mean, how dare I? Tom, with all this locally sourced, single batch, homegrown talent. Farm to table. Does this mean the super team era is over? Oh, it's done. And the league couldn't be happier about it, right? These players coming up on a CBA agreement in the next couple of years, they can't have this player empowerment just get too big. They need to knock them down a couple pegs. And so you see Golden State building through the draft, not stealing stars and having this controversy every summer, stealing away from the Joe Lacobs. Did I see Joe Lacob did a press conference the other day? And I know we took, I, 
uh, Bob, the organization took some criticism from people that, you know, we should trade all our draft choices that we had to get one more great player or whatever. And, you know, I was very adamant about it. So was Bob, but that was not the path we were going down. Um, we want to be good for a long time. We want to be great for a long time. Owners do press conferences now. I mean, when does that happen? I don't know. Maybe Michael Jordan, but he did it 30 years ago and he wasn't an owner. So maybe not. So we have, of course, the Lakers don't make the playoffs after getting Russell Westbrook on their team. LeBron James and Anthony Davis strike out. They lose the Lakers in the playoffs. Then they have the Brooklyn Nets get swept in the first round. This is a transition from the super team player empowerment era to the league's favorite matchup. Two big markets, the Bay Area and the Boston Celtics, homegrown. You could not have drawn this up more perfectly if you tried. From a league PR standpoint, it's perfect, right? Because we do operate in a copycat league and people see the way the championship team was built or was made and they try to emulate it. On the other hand, Tom, you poor, sweet, innocent child. You think super teams are going to stop? Yeah. And never stop, man. Oh. They never stop. You go back to the Celtics of the 60s. What was that if not a super team? Who cares how you acquired the talent? The idea is that you were acquiring top-level talent, and you were trying to do your best. Now, I think Boston is more of an example of, hey, it can be you too, because they drafted their two stars with not the number one overall pick. Yep, Jalen Brown was the number three pick, and so was Jason Tatum. At least theoretically, it's like you don't have to tank and draft a LeBron or a whatever, or, you know, like a surefire number one overall pick. You can draft judiciously, and you get two of those guys. Here we go. Golden State's different because they've got three of those guys, right? And I know people are going to fuss and fight about Draymond. The reality is it's very rare to go three for three on those kind of picks. Four for four if you're looking at Jordan Poole. Five for five if you're looking at Kaminga in the future or Moses Moody. Six for six, seven for seven if you're counting MVP Kevon Looney. Mm. So it is a little bit more of a stretch for Golden State to be something you can emulate versus Boston. But at the end of the day, I know Commissioner Silver has to be happy because it achieves the ultimate alibi, if you will, which is, why don't you guys just draft better? Don't complain to me about market size. Don't complain to me about zip codes or anything like that. Do better. These guys did it. But no, the superstar era will never end because that's what this game is built on. It's built on superstars. And the name of the game, to be honest with you, it's get them by any means necessary. It's not draft them. It's not trade for them. It's not sign them. It's get them. These two teams happen to get them through the draft. But I think there will always be teams that try to buy them through free agency or, or acquire them through trade. Yeah, you look at the Miami Heat. They acquired Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler through a sign-in trade. Get that out of here, right? The league says. You know what's weird about the Heat is that they acquired all of these guys and none of them, none of them were elite draft picks. Oh, other than Victor Oladipo, which we all know how that turned out. But <laughs> everyone else on that roster is a guy who was like lower first round. That anybody could have. Right. Like anybody could have had Max Struess. Anybody could have had Gabe Vincent. And then Bam Adebayo, if he's your blue chip guy, he wasn't a top five pick. And in many ways, this is the genius of the NBA and their PR machine. If the Heat had made it to the finals, the league would make the same argument. You don't have to go out and sign big name players. They got the guys that nobody else wanted. Precious Achua and Josh Richardson. They drafted those guys and look. 
they exchanged those pieces because they did well in the draft for star players. Last year we had the Suns and the Bucks, which is also a fairly good example of homegrown talent with each of them bringing in one star guard to complement mm. the in-house assets they had. The chauffeur. Drew Holiday coming into the Bucks, Chris Paul coming into the Suns. So this is a little bit of a continuation of that. The thing I like about the Warriors and Celtics is that they've both done a really good job of rolling over previous situations. The reason that the Celtics even have Tatum and Brown is because of that amazing super trade with the Nets back in the day when they shipped out Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett and they got that treasure trove of assets. And Jason Terry. And Jason Terry. Don't let me forget about Jason Terry. And the Warriors managed to turn Kevin Durant's dramatic exit. We got a dude who just writes his whole opinion on stuff. And I'm going to take my talents to the boardroom. But they turned that into D'Angelo Russell. And then they turned D'Angelo Russell into Andrew Wiggins and Jonathan Kaminga. And that just underscores the most important thing, which is you don't want to let anybody walk out the door for free. Take something, rehabilitate it, and turn it into something else. There's always, always, always an asset you can get out of any deal. And it's up to you to figure out how to best position that asset into something that People will want to give you more assets for. It's the constant shell game of the NBA guys. Moving the cup one way or another way. You say, oh, where's the ball? Where's the ball? It's right here. No, it wasn't. You owe me $10. But I look at this and there's another angle I want to talk about here. Isn't it convenient that the Larry Bird trophy, the first recipient of the Larry Bird trophy is given to a Celtic? And the first recipient of the Magic Johnson trophy is given to... (laughs) (laughs) he's working he's working the wheels are turning right now steph curry and more magic johnson trophies than finals mvps how about that how about that more magic johnson trophies than anyone in the history of the nba how about that than magic johnson than magic johnson himself i submit to you they should change the name of the trophy to the steph curry trophy until he loses it how about that like lebron james has been basically racking up conference finals mvps and then Oh, he misses the playoffs. You know what's time for? Let's have a conference finals MVP and let's give it to Steph. Let's give it to Jason Tatum. Sorry, LeBron. Too bad, LeBron. Could have been the LeBron James Award, but no. You're busy chasing this Bill Russell trophy. Meanwhile, these guys are getting the good stuff over here. Oh, I can't wait. Does basketball reference already reflect that? Do they have a new little banner or tag on each player's profile indicating how many times they've won the conference finals MVP. I'm going to check it out right now. Look at that. They do. I'm looking at Tatum's thing and it says three-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA, All-Rookie, and then the last tag they have for him is ECF MVP. Look at that thoroughness. Love that website. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Kind of feel like there's already a finals MVP banner on Steph Curry's name. It's already preordained, right? The dots are already connected. I would be inclined to agree with you just on the sheer power of narrative alone, right? We can't keep doing this. 
We can't keep doing this to Steph Curry. He's got to get a finals MVP one of these finals trips. But if there was ever a situation, a circumstance on this team where someone could come up and steal it, <laughs> I feel like it's this one. You've got Andrew Wiggins, who everybody loves so much. What a You've smile. got MVP Kavon Looney. If the Warriors fans were voting, he might get it. And then Jordan Poole waiting on the diving board to make a splash. Pool party. On the biggest stage. Splash. I got one more for you. Hey, Clay, sorry about NBA 75. Here's a finals MVP. Mm. That's the one, right? You could definitely see the powers that be doing the, not the makeup call in this case, because it's not like he's been aggrieved, but definitely a level of, we feel bad for what happened to you. So please accept this as a token of our empathy for you. This finals MVP trophy. And by the way, it allows the narrative to continue of how great can Steph Curry be if he's never won a finals MVP. Yeah, I did some research last week. Oh, did your own research. What does that look like? You doing your own research? Are you doing studies yourself? Are you in the lab on a nightly basis? What are you doing? Do your own research. Do your own research. Do your own research. Do your own research. Doing your own research. I'm not a scientist. I'm not here to tell everyone that this is it. For me, it's just um, just giving everyone a chance to do their own research and find their own knowledge. I did my own research and found out that he has the best, I mean, the best playoff win percentage of any MVP in NBA history with at least 50 games. Wait a second. But a lot of that percentage is built on him playing with Kevin Durant, who in his own right was an MVP as well, Tom. (laughs) Oh, naive. I mean, unlock that third eye and open it up real wide because I actually did the research on that too, I mean, and found out that without Kevin Durant, Steph Curry still has a better win percentage in the playoffs than Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant, and Larry Bird. Wow. Hmm. How about that? Mm-hmm. How about that? But in order for him to win the finals MVP, he does kind of have to win the championship, right? So we found out in the conference finals that Jimmy Butler had the better numbers, better overall stats, incredible games in that series in the conference finals. But he didn't win the conference finals MVP because Cedric Maxwell, well, I don't know if Cedric Maxwell, he might have been told that Jimmy Butler was supposed to get that trophy, but he wasn't in the right state of mind to actually present that to Jimmy Butler. I think Jimmy Butler, him not getting the conference finals MVP is a sign that Steph Curry, no matter how well he plays, he is not going to win Jerry West style on the losing team winning finals MVP. Oh, yeah. No matter how good he plays. I don't think anyone's ever going to do that because, again, the cabal has decided that we are going to champion the champion. And the only way to do that is by giving the finals MVP to a guy on the other team, no matter how undeserving that might be. I mean... I'm with the cabal on this one. Can we let winners win for once? We're giving MVPs out to six seeds in the regular season. What is this? Is nothing sacred anymore? There's nothing important to these folks. If you win the championship, the finals MVP should be on the winning team. Is it that hard? Maze, this is how you sell a dream to a larger swath of the population. 
when you let them know that anybody can win this. Even if you lose, you can still win. Yeah. I like that we just got Radio Maze. You can get a participation trophy and a Gatorade after soccer practice. Orange slices, baby. I'm telling you. Anything is possible. We've got to sell the dream. And I'm not going to sell the dream to one or two people or one or two fan bases. I need to sell it to 30. You hear that, Grant Williams? It could be you. Listeners out there, the Illuminati were watching that game seven and what happened with Max Struess. And everyone had their collective hand up over their eye, just motioning to us, motioning to the Illuminati. We see what's going on here. We see what's happening. With 11.04, mean, in the third quarter, Max Struess hits a three pointer to bring the Heat within two points, 56 to 54. Foot not on the line, three point line. Looked good, but not so. It seemed the NBA had some conservation of points. The ledger had to be balanced. We've been trying to tell y'all. Been trying to tell y'all since day one. Sometimes that conservation of points manifests itself in the moment, right? Yeah. Sometimes it's months later. You guys remember that Kyle Lowry three that shouldn't have been against the Charlotte Hornets earlier this year? How could you forget? Kyle, that three-party made in the first quarter, the replay showed that you had your foot on the line. Were you aware at the time at all when you headed back, you know, that they didn't stop and go to replay on that? First quarter? Uh, first overtime. Oh. In the first overtime. What happened? Did they count it as they three? They counted as three points and did not review it, right? Oh, that's cool. Were you aware at the time? Like, did you sort of look around, give that sort of glance that maybe just the two? That's great. I don't know if you talked about that. That's three. That's two, three. And also, this does end your first sort of break of the season between the All-Star. you just take us through what Kyle, what this experience has been like for you? Oh, man. Kyle, Bam, and Jimmy thought that was hilarious. They're giving us points. That's great. We'll take them. They took them. But you know what? The Piper needs to get paid. And the NBA came and got their points back. During game seven. With interest. Oh, boy. Only the most important game of the year, I mean. I'm telling you, you don't know when that bill comes in, Maze, but it's a coming because points are neither created nor destroyed. They merely transfer. In the same way that as the Hornets were on the, the short end of the stick in that particular interaction with Kyle Lowry, remember, they benefited from a three-pointer against the Cavs earlier in the season mm-hmm. guys connect the dots these are all related gotta do some accounting you know i don't want to be honest i do have an ego you yeah what no it's true i do there are things that satisfy my soul and so while i'm in the arena for game seven and that event happens and i'm like well this is a miscarriage of justice in the middle of one of the most important games of the year part of me smiled because i knew what was going to happen on twitter tom tweet after tweet after tweet people saying to us their third eye is open and it makes me proud are you getting choked up right now a little bit he's verklempt does your third eye have tear ducts not only tear ducts he's got eye boogers in it too wow you gotta admit it's cool that we have people who are now looking at nba basketball with the same critical lens that we do the number of people who tweeted conservation of points that particular turn of phrase, which shout out to Anthony Mays for coining that. Yeah. Man, 
we're getting through to the people. We really are. So to recap, 828 left in the game after three stoppages of play due to fouls. The NBA takes away Max Struess's three-pointer, not because his foot was on the three-point line, because remember, the NBA replay center can only review it if it's a two versus a three situation. So here's what happened. According to Ira Winderman, who checked into this at the South Florida Sun Sentinel, my good friend who has stayed in that job for, I mean, how long has he been in that job? Is he still there? He's still at the South Florida Sun Sentinel? Still there, typing away there, right there on the right side of Eric Spolstra's press conference room there. Ira is connecting some of the dots for us and points out that Courtney Kirkland, who was working in the replay center on that particular night, had reviewed all of the game footage privy to certain TV angles that we are not privy to, nor was ESPN privy to, that clearly had shown that Max Strew stepped on the line, not the three-point line, the out-of-bounds line. And you're sitting here saying, wait, if they're reviewing whether it was a two versus a three, and it was clearly a three-pointer, then how could they wave off the three-pointer based on the out-of-bounds line? Well, Ira, pointing out here, In his story, by rule, the replay center cannot take control of such a play if the question is whether a player was out of bounds while in the motion of attempting such a shot. That is not an allowable trigger for replay center review. However, and this turned out to be a huge caveat, once such a review is triggered by the question of whether the basket was worth two or three points, then judgment also is allowed to determine whether a player, quote, committed a boundary line violation. In Kirkland's estimation, based on all the replay angles available to the NBA, beyond those on the ESPN broadcast, Drews had stepped out of bounds. And in such cases, the final decision rests with the replay center and therefore is out of the hands on the on-site officiating crew. Whoa. Wait a second. That's in direct conflict with what we learned earlier this year, which is referees have the ability to overrule what the replay center suggests. No, Tom? Well, Eric Spolster said after the game that he wants this game to be used as a case study for the league to review their review protocols. They got to review these reviews, I mean. Look, man, I'm all for reviewing the reviews. You know what happens when that starts happening is that we get to review the review. The reviews of the reviews? Of the reviews, exactly, because that's what, what Basketball Illuminati is here for. To the third power, keep your third eye open. Oh, wow! all three of them. Can we say that this is the review of the review of the review replay center? This show right here. We are preemptively reviewing our own review of the review of the mm. review center. So yes, you're right. We are taking this to dimensions that even Interstellar could not fathom. Mm-hmm. Reconnaissance. Anyways, we're talking about being confused. Somebody else is confused, and his name is Eric Spolstra. Have you seen the replay yet on the Max Struess overturn three, and what was your reaction I didn't. when you found out? Uh, so far after I, 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 I was in shock. I was asking, uh, you know, Quinny about that. Um, the fact that it happened, you know, three to four, five minutes later in game time, uh, that that does change the context of, of how you're playing. Um, you know, we were starting to gain some momentum and you feel like it's a, you know, seven, eight point game. And all of a sudden it's a 13 point game. You're looking up and there's no explanation for it other than it's, you know, gone back to, uh, 
uh, you know, to the league offices. Uh, you feel like if it if it happens like that, it should happen uh, immediately, and then you can you can adjust accordingly. Tom, you mentioned that the replay center had different angles. Yeah, that the refs didn't see on the court. What? Let's look at this video because the NBA official Twitter account uh-huh. sent out a tweet at 10:51 p.m. Saying official review, Kirkland, if Struess's made field goal was a two or a three point field goal in quarter three of Boston at Miami, ruling overturned to no basket as Struess alighted. Guys, alighted. Alighted. What a word. Get out of here. From out of bounds on his shout attempt. Alighted. Verb. Descend from a train, bus, or other form of transport. Or of a bird, descend from the air and settle. Third eye raven. Is that what happened? Is he getting down from a train like Bob Cousy? And you guys rip Cousy. You know how many games Cousy played? You know, he taking trains to Fort Wayne, Indiana and run into the ball game because the train is late and they played the night before in Boston. And he go out there and play 45 minutes. My favorite thing is in the NBA official replay, they show us a very handy dandy zoom on something that is not clear. Exactly. They're zooming in on a terrible (laughs) shot, shot meaning photography, and that's their proof. And then they have another angle where they zoom in and presumably they think that's a foot on the line. But to me, in their own video, what I see is a shadow Yep. Over the line, not a foot. Would you say that's a shadow of doubt, I mean? Man, a little bit more than a shadow. Eclipse is what it is. But guys, this isn't the first time we've had a play like that in a conference finals. Tom, can you name the last time we had a play like that, but it wasn't overturned at the time, of a three-pointer that was too close for comfort to the uh, end line. Was it the Kevin Durant Milwaukee Bucks that wasn't in the conference finals? But no, no. Alight me, or is it enlighten me? <laughs> Alighten <laughs> you. Let me enlighten you. It was all the way back in 1999 in the Western Conference Finals, a game they call the Memorial Day Miracle. Sean Elliott, the San Antonio Spurs, played against Portland hit a three-pointer where it looked like he stepped out of bounds on that sideline. But video evidence concluded that he never actually made contact with the line and his heels hovered an inch above it, not ever making contact, thus keeping him in play. It is almost exactly the play that Max Drews committed. You know what the difference, guys, between then and now? We have much better image quality. (laughs) That's one. (laughs) But more importantly, Mace, they had us believe that what we really needed was supervision from the eye in the sky. Mm. That we're going to build a whole facility in Secaucus, New Jersey, of all places. That was going to give us truth, justice, and the American way. Ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you, this is a method of control This is how they keep us in the dark and keep us believing what they feed us, convincing us that somehow there's this impartial, unbiased place hundreds and thousands of miles away, making sure everything is above board. I submit to you, 
whomst watches the watchdog. Think about it. We could just have this technology. You don't think the NBA has technology like they have in tennis where they can see if the ball was in bounds or not? Mm-hmm. Sensor. Put a sensor in the three-point line. But you know what? That's not good surveillance. They need the eye in the sky, don't they? I mean, More than they need the eye in the sky, Tom. They need the ability to change their mind about things. Like Buddy Heald making a three-pointer that is somehow on NBA.com classified as a 20-footer, even though he's clearly 24 feet from the basket. If you had a sensor, Tom, if this was like tennis or soccer with VAR and you know when the object crosses the plane or crosses the line, if they did that, well then damn, how can they take away points? How can they have interpretations of a play that overrule the officiating on the floor? They won't be able to do that. Then they're beholden to the truth, but They don't want the truth. You can't handle the truth. And that's why we can't handle this truth. I'm excited. Yes, the NBA Finals are Thursday night, but also doing some really good on Lebitard's show. We're going to be doing Lulapalooza, guys. Nice. I know you're in the Bay Area, so I know you can't go. Is that for my agent, Lou? Well, he can come. You can bring him because I'm excited. We had a little bit of time there at Game 5. It was a good time there, but I'm excited to see you, I mean, at the ballpark. We're actually going to go and do a pregame at 5.30 at the ballpark, get all the fans out. A portion of the proceeds of the tickets go to IMALS. We're also doing a fundraiser. We're trying to raise $44,444 for ALS organizations in honor of Lou Gehrig, who wore number four. It's a terrible disease. My mother has it, and I'm just so glad. I mean, you're going to be out there. Tom, first of all, I'm so proud of you. When I saw you in Miami, you were just working the phones. You reminded me of Wendy Bird from Ozark, the way you were just working them phones and getting commitments from all types of people, and the work that you do is just tremendous. I'm not going to be in Miami. Like, I don't know. Did, Did we not talk about this? Wait, what? You're not going to Lou Gehrig Day? No, I'm going to the NBA Finals. I'm going to be in San Francisco. Tom, it's the NBA Finals. Yeah. Have you heard of it? Hey, this is bigger than basketball. Wait, is it bigger than baseball or bigger than basketball? I think it's bigger than everything. It's bigger than everything. It's bigger than ball. Wait, I mean, you're bailing on Lou Gehrig Day to cover the NBA Finals? Boring. Real question, and feel free to supercharge this maze if I'm stepping out of bounds here, like Max Drews. <laughs> when did it cease to be known as Lou Gehrig's disease and start being called ALS? Well, it was always ALS, but Lou Gehrig was the face of it. No, but when did we stop using the term Lou Gehrig's disease? Wasn't it called Lou Gehrig's disease? Yes, and it still is. It's AKA. It's also known as. It's interchangeable. No, I don't hear anyone call it Lou Gehrig's disease anymore. I mean, do you want to call it amyotrophic lateral sclerosis? Does that make it more off the tongue for you? No, I mean, I feel like ALS rolls off the tongue, but Lou Gehrig's disease 
is from a bygone era. We're trying to use Lou Gehrig as the face of it because people don't really know what ALS is. They do know that Lou Gehrig died of a terminal disease. And so we're trying to raise awareness of me and we're trying to get you to Miami, but you bailed. But I know all the Illumin Army out there in South Florida, come out to the ballpark and join us Thursday night, June 2nd. Oh, Tom. Come on, what? I'm not going to be there, but like, is there a way I can participate in this great endeavor without me physically being there. Yes, you can go to worldofsui.com slash Lulapalooza. That's L-O-U-L-A-P-A- What? L-O-O-Z-A. Very easy to remember. Lou- Go to worldofsui.com. La- They're going to have a link there. No. Pa- Trust me. Lou-za. Oh, mean, I've got some bad news for you. What's that? We just reviewed that comment you made five minutes ago, and we're going to have to take it away retroactively. Sorry, buddy. Oh, my God. Wow. Conservation of point made. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.